the Loose Cannons podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. You've never been jealous about me, have you? No, I haven't. And why haven't you ever been jealous about me? Well, I don't know, Alice. Maybe because you're my wife. Maybe because you're the mother of my child, and I know you would never be unfaithful to me. You are very, very sure of yourself, aren't you? Hey everyone, it's another Loose Cannons podcast coming at ya. Today we're going to be discussing 1999's Eyes Wide Shut, <clears throat> directed by Stanley Kubrick. And joining us today, that's a new special guest host. Yeah. His name is Bucky. Yeah, that's me. He's a Twitterer. He's a wrestling fan. <laughs> Two-time champion of my fantasy football league. Only two? Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, Bucky? Uh, not bad, not bad. Thank you for having me on. Um, I think I have been banned from the Fantasy Football League at this point. Um, I'm the commissioner. You can't be banned except for by me. Yeah, well, <laughs> if I ever meet your brother in person, I think he's going to try to punch me. Um, yeah. Um, I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. Um, this is my, my first non-professional wrestling podcast appearance of, of 2018, so I'm happy to be um, uh, diversifying my online portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything about professional wrestling, but if you want to talk about it, you're welcome to. Oh, I got some podcasts <laughs> for you then. Yeah, learning um, all about it. But before we talk about that movie I just mentioned, we're going to do this it's a little segment we like to call Heralds and Denouncements. Lonely without Patrick. Yeah. Patrick. <laughs> hey, Patrick so here. Place. Uh, replacing Patrick today, that means he's going to be going first. So tell us a movie that you felt strongly about, Bucky. Well, um, so I actually have two, but okay. I'll make it brief. Um, I don't get a lot of chances to watch movies these days. Um, I get maybe one a week on like a Saturday night. Um, if something is compelling to me, I will watch it as soon as I can on a weeknight after my fiance and my kid are asleep but for the most part one movie a week except for kids movies um <laughs> my daughter is two um and recently i've been able to watch um uh, both uh boss baby mm-hmm. and the emoji movie nice. um i have very strong feelings about both of them i feel like um <laughs> personally boss baby is actually okay and i know you said (laughs) don't talk about a movie that's okay um boss baby had all this hype around it as being you know one of the most asinine worst you know animated pieces of shit in a decade and it really wasn't i was kind of disappointed um very Mm -hmm. very heartfelt um alec baldwin is one of the most obnoxious actors in the world um but his character is like perfect and it's it's a really odd um, like the, none of the none of the humor hits. Um, it's 
really really poorly done as far as a comedy but it's nice it's it's got like ideas tries a lot of stuff out it's a weirdly ambitious kids movie um, nice. the emoji movie is fucking terrible can i say f- i can cuss on this yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we don't care. yeah i mean we're gonna talk about a movie where uh the, <laughs> the word fucking is spoken about 20 times in a four minute scene so i guess that's fair mm-hmm. um f- the word fucking is not said at any point in the emoji movie um the emoji Bad. movie is fucking terrible man um it's i don't know who this movie is for um we watched it a few weeks ago it's got really poor voice acting uh tj miller from silicon <laughs> valley is oh, he's so so bad in it um <laughs> r.i.p his career yeah, yeah. right <laughs> yeah it's a it's a shame uh what what happened to him <laughs> um <laughs> Seriously, why? He was a really awful person. Yeah, like <laughs> That's I, what happened. I, I, I read that he left the show because he was, I don't know, he wanted to not be pigeonholed as that character or whatever. But, dude, come on, like, you want to <laughs> be pigeonholed as the guy from, uh, from the Emoji movie? That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, it's really bad. Um, it's, it's got like a the female lead is like seems like she's like the strong character, strong independent. She's like a hacker goth girl. And it's yeah, like, she is. Yeah, right? <laughs> but then it reveals that she's actually a princess. Like, just like the worst shit that I don't want my daughter to see, you know? Like, um, I don't know. Like, the musical numbers. Like, Christina Aguilera plays a Dance Central app, which I don't think is an actual app. I thought it was a video game. Um, <laughs> it's it's really poor. It's very... It's It seems like it was written by people... Uh, like, it's this is definitely a movie scripted by boomers, you know? These people right. were born in the 50s. Um, well, people who thought that putting Christina Aguilera in it <laughs> will definitely make some kids very interested in watching it. Yeah, yeah she's, she's... They couldn't get Ariana Grande? She's coming back. You know, I think, uh, I think the female lead is probably voiced by, like, a, maybe a pop star. Demi Lovato? Yeah, I think it's some, somebody, <laughs> one of those people. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Don't watch it. Um, Too late. I hated it. <laughs> I've already seen it. <laughs> it's written by Mike White. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, Mike White of uh, Freaks and Geeks. Chuck- of rock frame. No, no, of um, oh yeah, he did write an episode of Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. But yeah, he also of, played uh, Kim's brother on the couch in one episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that weird Laura Dern Orange show, County. though. Oh yes. man, that weird Laura Dern show. What was that called? Uh-oh. It wasn't called that weird Enlightened. show. Enlightened. Oh man, I never <laughs> finished that show, but man, that was a good show. The show affected me. <laughs> but, and then he wrote the emoji movie. Hell yeah! All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's one of like three credited screenwriters, so it's hard to know exactly Heel. how much input he actually had, but enough to get credit. So <laughs> he's old enough that I. I can't imagine he knows like how to use a, a smartphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, God, that's well. that's so disappointing. I'm sorry, that's so disappointing. I had no idea that he wrote that. All right, good. Yeah, I f- I found out at the end when I was watching the credits, like I, the movie started, and I was like, wait, what? Mike White. <laughs> uh, sorry to upset you even more, Bucky. Well, <laughs> Didn't mean to. Well, uh, that's all right. Uh, uh, all right, I, Basil. Yeah, it's been a little while since I've been on this podcast, so I have a lot of different <laughs> options to choose from. But um, I guess I will go ahead and 
do what everyone's doing and uh, denounce mute. Good old <laughs> David Bowie's son. Uh, <laughs> making a sci-fi movie in. This is uh, continuing in the same trend of Cloverfield Paradox where uh, it seems like a good get that Netflix got the sci-fi movie, but it's really not because uh, the studio probably dumped it on Netflix knowing that it was going to do terrible. So, there. Uh, no. Futurist Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> How could um, it be bad? I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's very... Oh, uh, yeah. It's got um, it... Alexander Skarsgård in it and Paul Rudd. And uh, it's basically like a kind of uh, super noir take on... It's like Blade Runner, basically, but yeah, the like poster more explicitly looks exactly Blade noir. Runner. Uh, where it's like um, Alexander Skarsgård plays like a mute uh, bartender and one day his uh, girlfriend disappears and so he turns into kind of a detective trying to track down what happened to her and uh, the reveal is pretty obvious and it really takes a long time once the mystery is solved for the movie to end <laughs> like there were parts of the mystery that i was like kind of interested in i was like oh this is kind of cool because it's like playing it very straight he's just like doing weird sci-fi detective work just like t trying to figure things out and i was like this is okay but then like i could see where it was going pretty easily because there's a side character whose presence in the movie doesn't make any sense. So it's like, oh, well, that person must be actually super involved in this mystery <laughs> because <laughs> why else are they still in this movie all the time? Uh, and, then, and then, yeah, everything comes to a head and it all makes sense. But then it still takes like 20 more minutes for the movie to end. And I was like, what is all this extra stuff? I don't like this. I don't need any of this. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, not particularly good. And, uh, Paul Rudd's very weird in it. People like him a lot. Like, say he's, like, the one saving grace. But it's, like, he's just doing his Paul Rudd thing, but, like, as a sociopath, and that seems weird. It's, like, I'm not, I'm not sure I fully buy it, because he seemed too actually nice. <laughs> Because it's not like a wet, hot American summer style, <laughs> which works very well. So you're telling me the, the character Cactus Bill doesn't say Gurnal at any point in this movie? No. He doesn't tell anyone they taste like a burger either. Oh, it's man. a bummer. Cactus Bill. I, I feel like I need to see this. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. Uh, Ilya? Yeah, I'd uh, like to denounce the movie Salt from 2010 oh, nice. uh, <laughs> with Angelina Jolie. Um, I've uh, written a short review on Letterboxd about this movie and the fact that Roger Ebert gave it four stars. Four stars? What the? <laughs> yeah, and um, with a terrible review um, sure. that I have some nice choice quotes from uh, on my <laughs> Letterboxd review. But adding to that, I like just like... I think altogether, Salt is a pretty good demonstration of what it's like to like release a pretty casually pro-imperialist 
uh, like action flick that looks like totally kind of innocuous and like well the usual like stunt driven like actiony uh, kind of dumb uh, uh, spy thriller uh, mm-hmm. but it actually the way it kind of codes certain things is like pretty revealing about uh, how like to this day American films like to um, present in this case Russian lives for example as way less inherently valuable and or meaningful than American ones because there's a really long sequence in the beginning where Angelina Jolie is revealed to be a Russian spy and then she tries to escape the CIA, which ma- she manages really easily by like, <laughs> uh, and like the CIA is just, like shown as like kind of inept and whatever. And on that whole escape route, she like fights all these CIA agents. She doesn't kill any single one of them, which mm-hmm. codes her as like a good person. Right. Right. Then she ends up killing the Russian president, <laughs> but she's still a good person because she still hasn't killed a single American yet. Right. Then she kills a bunch of Russian people in one fell swoop, but she's still a good person because she still has not killed a single American. And there's even a scene where she uh, Jabovor, the guy I, I'm uh-huh. bad at pronouncing his name. <laughs> he like even tells uh, Lev Schreiber, uh, who's like completely fucking catatonic in this movie. It's pretty funny. Nice. Um, he even tells her like she had a chance to shoot me, but she didn't. As he stands over the corpse of the Russian president, like she's <laughs> so like all of that is just like uh it's just for someone who's kind of into the way that this weird like I won't I don't want to say racialized but like definitely kind of just ethnicized ethnicized way of like portraying <laughs> Russian bodies as just inherently worthless kind of. Or a signal, signal of perhaps even your virtue in that you kill them Not just makes Russians, you a all good Eastern person. Europeans. Yeah, well, see, <laughs> Taken for lots of other examples, yeah. and like well, so many other movies, basically, <coughs> for more of this. Um, so I think that that's like an interesting way to look at this movie, which is otherwise really, really terrible and forgettable. I wonder if that, Luke Besson so. voted for Marine Le Pen. <laughs> I I believe that he 100% did. Is she a 15-year-old girl? Because I bet he would no, vote my for any 15-year-old girls. <laughs> my goodness. Oh, man. Still like Lucy. Oh, my God. Why do I still like Lucy? Something wrong with me. I don't think I've seen Lucy or Salt. Are those both uh, Besson directed? No. No, Salt's not Besson. I was just drawing a comparison. Oh, okay. Um, So someone else who hates Eastern Europeans and makes it very prevalent in his movies. (laughs) I mean, it definitely Um, seems like a Besson movie. mm -hmm. I need to see that one, that space movie that just came out. Valerian. Valerian, the city of a thousand planets. That looked like a real piece of shit. (laughs) I didn't There's mind one it. really good scene in it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, there is. It's the first um, one, so you can turn it off after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to denounce something, but instead of doing an all-denouncements podcast, oh. I'll build off what uh, Yoya said, and I'll herald Eli Ross Hostel, which nice. does the opposite <laughs> of the thing he's describing. Yeah. Um, so... 
Hostel sets up this idea. Um, it basically has two major things going on in it that I think are really good. The first is that it's just like a stream of women being objectified in like the first third of the movie where the major characters do not see women as people. And then the second two thirds of the movie are <laughs> uh, business people not seeing the major characters as people. Huh. So their dehumanization is foisted back on them in yeah. uh, nice, uh, horrific manners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, one of the things that I really like is that um, Eastern Euro Europe is presented as being so scary, but it's really obvious in the film that it's American businessmen, for the most part, who are taking advantage of this process. They're the ones who've made it scary. Like, right. <laughs> it wouldn't, you know, they brought the money and they brought the torture, essentially. So I think that it's, um, there's a scene in uh, Hostel that like exactly mimics one in Eurotrip, which is pretty funny to begin with, because obviously mm. like it's kind of a takedown of uh, bro-y frat comedies. But um, I think it's even funnier that there are moments in it that seem like a takedown of the movie Taken, which didn't even <laughs> exist yet. <laughs> yeah. So preemptively yeah Very i was pressing. watching yeah i already told ruben this off podcast but i was watching iron man last night while drunk because i hadn't seen it since the theater and leslie bibb is in it but i thought she was maggie grace because i was drunk and i was like mm. oh it's weird that she's a reporter in this and then a year later she was a teenage daughter <laughs> but they're not the same person because <laughs> leslie bibb is not in taken <laughs> All right. Nope. Should should I revisit Hostel? Yeah. Hostel yeah. rules. Do you, do <laughs> it's you good. like Do you like Eli Roth at all? So I, I don't know. People I, have very strong opinions on him. I don't I don't really know. I don't think I have an opinion on him anymore. I saw the first Hostel and I saw Cabin Fever when I was I guess 14 and 16. I think is when those movies came mm -hmm. out. I saw them both like I think I rented Cabin Fever at a Blockbuster. Yeah, and um, I probably saw Hostel on HBO or Stars or something. Um, I didn't like either of them, but I don't. I know you like Cabin Fever a lot, Ruben. Um, I actually think Knock Knock is his best movie, but is that more uh, recent? Yeah, I'm yeah, it's a couple of years ago. I'm not familiar with, with that one. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. with the with the two girls. Yes, I haven't seen the it. Re that Reeves DJ sort of remake of the <laughs> game. Okay, yeah, I've I've been meaning to see that. I, I I guess probably I did know at some point that was Eli Roth, but I hadn't remembered that. Um, yeah, okay, I'll do a I'll do a deep dive of Eli Roth in like <laughs> October or something because I can't watch those kind of movies yeah. all the time. Save them for one month yep. of the year. Horror month. All right. Speaking of horror, let's get into <laughs> the movie we're here to talk about. Uh, this is my pick, so I'll do a quick plot summary. Um, so Tom Cruise plays the character Dr. Bill Harford and Nicole Kidman, his wife Alice. Uh, after they attend a party, uh, they smoke some weed and have a discussion about sexual desire and marriage and marital fidelity and uh what alice says uh kind of sends old dr bill into 
an existential <coughs> spiral, and he goes on a late night, uh, pretty surreal descent. Into Would you call it a the... sexistential spiral? Yeah, oh sexistential. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, into the sexual underbelly of New York City, and a lot of crazy shit happens. Uh, Ilya, what did you think of this movie? I love this movie. Nice. <laughs> I think it's a very close five-star movie for me. I think it's uh, um, got a lot to say on a lot. It's very layered. Um, <laughs> it's basically, I think, the richest uh, material uh, comes from the way that it comments on uh, class in particular so uh, basically since it's based on a novel that was set in uh, turn-of-the-century Vienna and this is <laughs> set in turn-of-the-century New York or Manhattan to be precise and Manhattan being the place in America with the greatest gap in wealth between the richest and the poorest I think this movie is like really on point with a lot of how Dr. Bill so he's actually called Bill as well. So that's if that didn't tip you oh. off towards its class <laughs> intentions. Um, so um, I think the way he lets the, the movie lets him get away with so much stuff and how he is able to escape everything unscathed uh, while other people pay a lot of pretty terrible prices for basically his own dumb adventures is pretty, um, pretty awesome. There's a lot of other things to unpack here, but yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie, I think. Ruben? I also like this movie a lot. <clears throat> um, speaking of Eli Roth, apparently there were people talking about the fragility of masculinity <laughs> for him. No, I, I know that's true, but I was definitely thinking about, uh, about Knock Knock when he was like, oh, my wife once thought about having sex with somebody else, and that's ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. And, yeah, like like with Barry Lyndon, it's just an enjoyable going yeah. through Kubrick now and realizing that he was way funnier than I gave him credit for <laughs> when yep. I originally saw a couple of his films because there are a lot of really upsettingly funny parts in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Bucky? Um, I like Eyes Wide Shut. Um, I've, it's the first time I've seen it in probably 10 years. Um, I loved it back then. I don't think I love it now. Uh, watching it reminded me of the <coughs> uh, Scorsese 80s comedy After Hours. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. um, it basically shares the exact same structure. Um, and a very similar um, surreal tone. Well, I, really, the tone is pretty similar because, I mean, you could watch this movie as a comedy if you, you know, if you so decided tiny. that's what it was. <laughs> um, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I, th uh, I think there's adding to that point. Uh, sorry, Bucky. No, like, if After Hours is like a yuppie in peril movie, then this movie would be a yuppie as peril movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, so yeah, the big similarities between, you know, the the things these two guys go through, but um, the actual character and, uh, I don't know, Griffin Dunn, Tom Cruise are pretty different. 
their characters are pretty different. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, it's um, it's it's got a really like great feel to it. It's got a very like uh, cohesive tone. Um, but I don't know. I I couldn't tell at times. Am I supposed to take it seriously? Um, <laughs> is any of this really happening? Uh, I think when I watched it when I was like 18, I just was like, oh, they're fucking and it's creepy and they got masks <laughs> on. And like, I was really into the idea that this, I don't know if it's true, but I was really into the idea that like this movie led to the uh, disintegration of Tom and Nicole's marriage. I thought that was like an interesting <laughs> thing. We can probably talk about that later, but um, watching it half last night while drunk on a 55 inch TV and half this morning um, on my phone, uh, huh which we joked about before the ideal way to watch this movie. It's exactly how uh, Kubrick intended. <laughs> um, I think I had issues with the pacing at times, but I think that was probably on me. Um, I will, I will definitely look forward to revisiting it in a few years, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I really, I, I did find it very funny, like <laughs> you said, and I did not expect to laugh so much. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm on the same page, uh, basically, Ilya, I think. Uh, I love this movie. Um, uh, it's pretty rare that I give a movie five stars, like, right out of the gate. Like, I usually have to think about it, but I was like, nope. <laughs> I, I I love this movie. Like, uh, I, I love the look of it, like, uh, the weird production design and diffused, like, Christmas lights everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, man... This movie looks awesome. Why don't all <laughs> movies look like this? But then I found out that it cost $65 million and they spent 400 <laughs> days shooting it. So I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> like it has the Guinness Book of World Records for longest continuous film shoot and they shot it for over a year, 400 days. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, that must have uh, cost a lot of money for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah that's true. For 400 days. To just not make any movies for That's what actually led to their, the end of their marriage is they had to spend that much time together on the set. And it's the first time <laughs> they ever spent a year yeah. together. Yeah, like uh, that one, um, the prostitute who's only in, uh, like, basically those two scenes. She was originally scheduled for, like, a two-week uh, contract or whatever, but she had to hang around the set for, like, six weeks because they kept redoing her scenes and changing things. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the one that's in Sidney Pollock's uh, room, or the or the no no the one that uh, like he goes Domino. to her small apartment okay. yeah Domino, Domino. Yeah. Uh, like Vanessa she's Shaw, literally just who I have those written down here scenes. as uh, one of Hollywood's lost vixens. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know what this movie's lighting reminded me of? <laughs> La La Land. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> La La Land also likes to use a lot of blue background um, yeah. lights. Yeah, I feel like blue and yellow spotlights and less Christmas lights, but still, (laughs) I I was watching this movie and I wrote down some people who I thought had also watched this movie and really enjoyed it. And Damien Chazelle and Eli Roth were definitely two of them. And Yorgos Lanthimos. (laughs) Yeah, and Yorgos Lanthimos was the other one. This was a whole lot. Killing of a Sacred Deer. I was like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, these tracking shots, those are like Kubrick. But then once I was watching this, I was like, oh, that whole movie, that's like Kubrick. <laughs> He's like a doctor, and uh, like goofy music stings. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I really dig the music a lot. I think it really mm -hmm. uh, gives it like this. What a cool waltz. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like this really, like I think that lends to the not, not being able to tell like what is what is the tone that he's going for here. Because <laughs> it's, it's got this like grandiosity that's, um, that almost feels, it feels fake. It feels, mm -hmm. and like, like a fake on purpose. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, a major a theme of this movie. Um, I mean, Baz already mentioned that it was like filmed for 400 days. It was that, the reason for that was, amongst other things, that Kubrick lived in London and he didn't want to film in New York. So they built New York in London. <laughs> so they basically <laughs> reshaped all of this. Like they built these like huge uh stages and there's even like uh like adding to the fakeness of it which like hilariously a lot of people picked up on like oh this is not real new york <laughs> uh like like that's not the point or whatever um mm -hmm. um there's like a, a moment where tom cruise is walking and actually every time it like shows him from the front um, the background is often like rear projected like it's oh, not yeah, even actual oh. streets behind him <laughs> yeah. so like there's a lot of that like really fake like dream like world or whatever feeling to mm -hmm. to it it's very intentional yeah it's yeah. funny uh i also noticed that like one point when he's walking around there's like a big like super beat up like weathered sign like hanging super high up behind him mm. and it's like an old advertisement and the num phone number says like five 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 whatever on it and i was like like I didn't know that the whole thing was fake at that time, so I was like, "Did they like make this fake sign and like hang it up there? Like, why?" But then I found out, yeah, it's all one big stage. It's not even a real street. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. It, but it's a, a very like over the top dedication to both realism and mm -hmm. fakeism at the same time, because he had people like measuring street sizes and stuff, so <laughs> that he could like accurately. Uh, <laughs> replicate the streets and then would do things at the same time to make it fake like tom cruise walks around a corner and then the sign that is in front of him was behind him in the last shot nice stuff like that that's, yeah that's amazing every single place on a sidewalk. i hope he was doing that just to fuck with tom cruise and nicole kidman <laughs> yeah. a lot i, I felt <laughs> like, like what every, is happening every outside scene did did like seem like he was just walking down the same piece of road um <laughs> but yeah it lended to that dreamlike <laughs> feel and i don't know i I did not even realize. Uh, I didn't like look too deeply into the uh, the background of the production. I knew it was a super long production, um, but I did not have any idea that it was not really shot in New York at all. Um, it makes total sense now. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> I, I didn't like know, though. I'm glad I didn't know because if I would have known, like I would have been looking for it the whole time. The stream yeah. thing is like a continuous theme. Like, there's a lot of allusion to dreams. People talking about their dreams, like their meanings of them, and so on. And like, there's a really interesting, like, recurring, uh, I guess you can say motif or whatever. But like, whenever something is about to really, like, shit is about to get real, there's something that like kind of wakes people up from the situation, and it's usually uh, a bell or a ring. Like, mm -hmm. there's a telephone ring, uh, there's a doorbell ringing. Uh, so the telephone ring when uh, after Alice tells Bill her first dream, the the phone rings. Then mm -hmm. he goes to that uh, 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 apartment <laughs> where the, the, the woman's dad has just died. And then she confesses her love for Dr. <laughs> Bill. And he's just like, and then there's a doorbell ringing, right? Uh, that wakes that situation up. And then there's like 
the ringing at the orgy. Like there's just a lot of leather, like these, these, these things happening, but actually <laughs> I think the funniest way that they use a ring to interrupt something is when in the beginning, when Nicole Kidman is dancing with Sky Dumont and he's trying to like seduce her, she shows him her ring mm. and that <laughs> interrupts that situation. Nice. I feel like that's like a pretty funny way to like use that whole thing. And the idea of like basically anytime something real is about to happen, so people will like say something true or do say something true. And the minute it, it's, it, it like dares to become meaningful, something happens in the movie to whisk you right back out of it. And I think nice. that that's like very intentional. Mm hmm. Speaking of the beginning, since Basil gave it five stars, I'm guessing that he didn't. He agrees with me that some of the better drunk acting mm -hmm. that I've seen, <laughs> drunk acting is normally bad. And I like that, first of all, they didn't tell you that uh, uh, Alice was supposed to be drunk until the end of the scene. You had to mm -hmm. pick up, up on it yourself. And I like the way that she plays it. She just elongates her words <laughs> a long time, which is very carefully saying them <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and the the repetition of the word marriage is very very funny to me mm -hmm. especially the way that tom cruise says it but we're married you're my <laughs> wife <laughs> to me the funniest part was the part that Oh, you just mentioned when he goes to visit the dead father. Oh, yeah. And, she, <laughs> yeah. and she's like, I'm in love with you. And he goes, I don't think we've had a single conversation not about your father. <laughs> <laughs> and then her fiance is Greg from Darling Greg. Yep, I wrote that down. As well. Oh, is that who that guy is? I knew I recognized him. Or the him. lead from Criminal Minds. Yeah. But I've never watched that show, so I don't know what his character's name is. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But incredible. She's like, I don't care about him. I don't want to go away with him. <laughs> I wouldn't want to oh. be with Greg either. <laughs> he ruined Dharma's career. Is that what that show's about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's been successful afterwards, and she has. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, Must and a, like fault. about the music, there's even like a really funny, obvious like indication, I think, of how it's going to be used. Like the movie starts and the opera or whatever it's playing and you're like oh this is non-diegetic filmic music playing oh, like, yeah. this scene or whatever and then like right as they're about to leave he like takes the record thing off and it stops the song mm. Mm. <laughs> and it's like oh wait <laughs> so wait that was real music and then there's a lot of other times in the movie when you're like where is this music coming from? Or is it coming from anywhere? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very funny when <coughs> they, they did the same joke later, but it's in the uh, the prostitute's apartment. And, like, it feels even more, like, sort of out of place. I was like, did he put on that music? Like, when they were, like, <laughs> getting ready to do it. Because he's just like, Boop. all right, well, it was nice seeing you. Gotta go home. I mean, I, I do assume but, uh, that they were listening to You Did a Bad, Bad Thing while smoking weed. That does make perfect sense to me. <laughs> I have done that. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say the I other thing that's art. Yeah. Uh, very <coughs> funny about the movie to me is, like, the way it starts, like, the very first shot is, like, mm. that, like, 
naked butt shot of <laughs> Nicole Kidman, and it's like, ooh, this is going to be a sexy movie. But then, like, the nudity in this movie is so clinical. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is, like, the least erotic movie full of so much nudity. <laughs> yes. The way the orgy is shot is extremely upsetting. Yeah. Like, I'm a, uh, God, I remember someone tweeting about it. It might even have been Bucky, but maybe not, saying that, like, people who grew up masturbating to eyes wide shut are going to be similar to people who grew up masturbating to under the skin like there's just <laughs> something fucked up about that being the nudity that you were turned on by <laughs> that does sound like something i'd say um i <laughs> i did find it interesting yeah like it's a it's immediately like a you know it's a very well framed shot of nicole's you know very beautiful body and then the next shot is her like you know pissing and like, yeah it's like on and like you know she like like the, like she wipes herself it's like a totally like um like it, it's too real and it's it feels very genuine it feels like she really took a piss next to her husband <laughs> who she's really married to and yeah. like immediately you're like okay, okay i'm not i mean yeah. unless you're like best, super and then in they the, kiss yeah unless you're best, best part of that hands. scene best part of that scene by the way is when she asks him how she looks and without looking at her he's like beautiful <laughs> yeah and he doesn't fucking look at her like it's great, and then like and he, he asks, granted he, he should look at her, but Nicole Kidman is the one who's asking, so the answer is she looks beautiful. Absolutely, when does Nicole Kidman not look beautiful? Absolutely, no. Uh, <laughs> and, and then right after that, uh, I just love that whole scene. So like right after that, he asks the babysitter's name, and then doesn't call her by her name. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he forgot just, it again after it's he just asked. Wonderful, <laughs> it's just so great. Mm. Yeah, and I think that I mean. Uh, the like how do I look thing kind of plays into a hundred percent the the sort of like weed scene that comes later or whatever like that uh, they're both like not happy with their situation such as it is but he's in like such extreme denial about it that he's like no like I'm really happy that we're married like I want nothing else but to be married. But, like, he's so unconvincing when he says it. And then she's, like, totally unwilling to, like, play along with what he wants. And be, she's like, no, like, our life is okay. But also sometimes I think about doing it with a, with other guys. And then he's like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the shot is so funny when it's like the classic Kubrick shot like when she but it's like his reaction shot after she finishes telling the story and he's just like like stone faced glowering at her like underneath his eyebrows at that point I wrote down as Gabby Dunn once said monogamy is wild yeah. <laughs> this is people like if you even admit that you're attracted to another person it's gonna break up the whole relationship yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing about um, him <coughs> and like sexual like tension in the movie is generally he is never the one to refuse a sexual <laughs> advance from almost anyone. There's always a situational thing that prevents it from happening. Yeah, phone rings so or the doorbell. First yeah. scene. First scene, yeah. the two the two girls who want to take him to where the rainbow ends, yes. which he repeats in this like goofy fashion. The way he keeps repeating everything in this movie is also pretty hilarious. Um, where the rainbow ends, <laughs> <laughs> and then like the guy comes up and tells him about the um, girl that just the OD'd uh, yeah. in Sydney Pollock's uh, 
bathroom. <laughs> um, and that's the only reason he actually says to be continued in this creepy mm-hmm. way to both of yeah. those girls, right? Then when the uh, when the woman tells him that she's attracted to him, he does say, like, we've only talked about your father, but the, really the only the thing that stops it is when Greg comes into that room, right? <laughs> then when the escort... That's not his name like, in the movie, but yeah. Yeah, the yeah the 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 um the sex worker uh he meets outside, asks him inside, Domino. like Domino. He's absolutely ready to do it, and the only thing that prevents that is Nicole Kidman calling him, right? right. Um, and like there's so many moments at which he would totally do it, was totally cheat on his wife, like no questions asked, he would absolutely do it. But then, like, when he, she tells him about her dream, he's, like, so fucking shocked. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's just amazing. Yeah, I think that it's a funny, uh, for sure, like, um, uh, I, what's the word? Like, like, the only way for him to counterbalance, like, her having looked at another man with desire is to, like, yeah. <coughs> come very, AIDS. very close to cheating yeah. on her. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's like, ah, now I feel better because I have proven that other women want me as well. Um, I don't know if there's exactly any meaning behind this, but something that I noticed about the film is that, like, you were talking about, like, a very stereotypical cubic shot, and people talk about, like, that one-point framing or whatever with him where, like, things are very symmetrical and someone's in the center, that, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of the times in this movie that a shot will start off that way and then end in some place that's, like really not centered yeah like decentered yeah um that like chris's character will walk into a room like and he'll walk through the door right through the center of the frame and then the camera will follow him around a room and then suddenly he's like on the far right side of the frame when the shot ends Mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't know if i have any specific <laughs> ideas about that but i did notice i mean like in general like other <coughs> things make him uh like progressively more and more uh like upsetting looking as the scene progresses too <laughs> like i mean the thing i was just talking about but also i noticed in the in the bar scene when he's talking to like his old uh college uh friend the piano player like at a certain point he's like talking about the party and and then like tom cruise becomes more interested and there's like these weird round globes around the thing and at some point like Tom Cruise like leans over it and it makes his face look so sinister but he's like you gotta invite me to this party man <laughs> and I think it's like fun the way that it kind of that uh, those elements are like always there like the globes are just part of the scene and I was like oh those are really cool looking and then like it pays off at the very end of the scene when he like leans over it and I was like oh. yeah. Christmas theme is very pronounced also. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a Christmas tree in practically every place that he walks into. Sure uh, is. Except it for looks the... like the exact same Christmas tree too. <laughs> yeah, except for the orgy place. I mm-hmm. think there's no Christmas tree there. Although that would have been funny <laughs> if they yeah. had one. <laughs> um, <coughs> but like that's, I think also the way that the movie kind of uses like, yeah, the blue and the red like lighting is really uh, pretty cool. Um, often like within the same shot there's like blue coming from one side red coming from the other side or yellow coming from usually yeah. like uh, uh, everywhere yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the, specifically the scene where he goes and meets uh, Nick Nightingale, Todd Field, at the Sonata Jazz Club. Every shot <laughs> of uh, every shot of, of uh, Nick behind him is that bashing of I think it's uh, red on the right and, and blue on the left, and it's very jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, I really uh, just to go not not to change it completely, but uh, the uh, chemistry between Tom Cruise and Todd Field. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like weirdly natural frat boy like friendship <laughs> they're always like like it felt incredibly like spot on um <laughs> how the hell are you buddy yeah like <laughs> uh, it, it felt fake but it felt like fake in the way that a, like a real relationship between two guys who went to college together feels right um i don't know i was really impressed with uh with todd field in this movie and i'm a big fan of in the bedroom so i was i haven't seen that since the theater oh man yeah. i'll rewatch it though the movie kind of kind of messed me up when i was i saw it when i was like 15 I was like, oh man nice mm. pretty rough <laughs> sad stuff losing a son yeah yeah uh-huh. <laughs> mm. uh what was i gonna say though oh um yeah i think that the, <coughs> the body language with them is very funny too the way they put their arms around yeah. each other it's like how the hell yeah. are you cruz always does the double tap in this movie he does the double mm-hmm. tap with everyone including domino when he gives her the money he like <laughs> he like taps her hand with the money in it it's just nice. fucking uh love it so much that's it you mentioned the new york elite yeah power move. absolutely <laughs> i mean this movie is yeah. like in ve- in a lot of ways this is very peak cruise like the mm-hmm. way the movie uses him along with like everything he kind of stands for uh, as much as his performance in this movie mm-hmm. is like a really cool, like, like very uh, meaningful use of actor and like whatever the yeah, perso- that, persona of the actor yeah. signifies as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's like very similar to the way that uh, Kubrick uses Jack Nicholson totally. or where mm-hmm. it's like he's like the thing that Tom Cruise kind of does all the time, but like. Like, he has him crank it up even a little bit further. So, like, Tom Cruise, like, is, like, a weird, intense person, but he's, like, (laughs) always playing as if he's, like, a really nice person, and that that, like, often comes off, like, a little phony, especially, like, in his earlier roles or whatever. So this is, like, that to, like, an extreme where he just, like, is doing the Tom Cruise smile just, like, constantly, even when it doesn't even make any, exactly make any sense to do it, and it just looks like, there's like such a like, like transparent like fakeness to it that <laughs> I think really uh, is unnerving and funny. Yeah, com- compare that to uh, Sidney Pollack actually in this movie, who plays a quite obviously more evil probably character, mm-hmm. arguably, but is so natural in who he is. <laughs> That yeah, is he's like very comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I think this guy knows exactly who he is, and he doesn't pretend he's not that. So in that way, he comes across way more authentic than yeah. uh, um, than Cruz does. It's going back a little bit, but kind of connected to what you're just saying. Like, is Bill part of the elite? I think mm. he's a notch below. That's yeah. why they don't want him at the party. Right, right. It's because he's only rich instead of exorbitantly rich. Yeah. Like, I one of the things that I noticed about their apartment was like. 
It's a big apartment, and it's supposed to be in New York, so they're definitely like millionaires. Central Park in order, West. In order to mm-hmm. afford that apartment, they definitely have like a couple million, but like it's kind of plain looking. Like the chairs are very basic. The art is not particularly good. Like it's 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 a it's, uh, it's uh, Christiana Kubrick, by the way. It's his wife. It's her <laughs> art. <laughs> Which I I said I thought the exact same thing while I was watching it. I was watching it with uh, with uh, with my girlfriend, and she was like, "God, the art is so tasteless in this apartment." I'm like, "Yeah, I agree." And then like, it's his wife. <laughs> so maybe reading into it a little bit there. No, no, no. I, no. I do think that I like think Kubrick definitely hates like, his wife and hates his hates her art. He's subtweeting his wife. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't gonna go that far, but I do think that there's an element to this movie that like these people are super rich, but like they're still not the richest and they think that that's sad yeah. like that they're mm-hmm. a little bit sad yeah. <laughs> about the fact that they're not you know going yeah. to wealthy orchard parties yeah the only i mean because yeah he's like at that party is because he lanced a, a tumor off of like you know yeah. sydney's yeah. left butt cheek or whatever like like a little mm-hmm. skin cancer thing that's I, I would imagine that he wouldn't even know that guy he would never come across him and yeah i i think he's definitely they're doing well but yeah, his this, this guy has to rent a mask. He doesn't even own one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah, that's but, what they make fun of him for. Yeah. They're like, we knew that you were a fake because you had a receipt for renting the costume. <laughs> you don't even own multiple costumes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't come to these things all the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother to rent. Yeah. This is also <laughs> better something investment to own. <laughs> that Judith picked up on the mask theme. So there's a mask in the background at Domino's apartment as well, which yeah. is like huh. an Some interesting African masks. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing, which is like because it's sort of implied that like the or- orgy is populated by sex workers, right? So could Domino have been also at that party? She like then mysteriously disappears. It's told that she got HIV, but who the fuck knows what really happened to her? That's like a weird, unanswered kind of theme in it. And then when Cruz gets this mask, he's got this like Venetian looking mask, I think, or whatever. I'm not really a mask person, so I don't know (laughs) how whatever that means. But uh, Judith picked up on the fact that actually (laughs) actually a lot of the people at the orgy are wearing masks that are like art pieces. So they're like Mm -hmm. these very clearly like uh like signals of wealth as well as art has basically become a signal of wealth which is like very artificial and strange Uh, a lot of these people are wearing like from famous paintings like these people and cruz kind of stands out really strongly because he's not wearing one of those he's just wearing this cheap ish like venetian mask who that (coughs) makes him look like a total fucking like gawker right you know it's uh, cheap it's 25 dollars we find out exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) Um, and that, that's like another weird little comment right. on him standing I, within that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I like that idea uh, that like the people at that party are so rich, they buy like a million dollar art piece and then just yep. wear it. Instead yep. Of <laughs> <laughs> yep, I like it too. But uh, yeah, I, I was going to talk about that as well, like especially as... Um, regards to ending because i feel like the ending is very very funny that uh like in a way it's kind of um uh commenting on the sort of place of the petite bourgeoisie within like the class structure because at the very end like they find out all this horrible stuff like they're like oh wow like you know there's like 
human trafficking going on and like the the whole thing with like the Russian costume owner he's just like oh this is upsetting mm. and then they also go into this like huge thing and he knows that people died and people disappeared and he's like wow this is overwhelming <laughs> let's pretend none of this happened <laughs> let's just go back to our lives as they were <laughs> like one day doesn't define us and it was just a dream and well let's just have another baby put our heads down Go back to life. <laughs> Go back to FAO Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I was like, wow, this dark. Like, it's the like. The store for the petite bourgeoisie. Mm -hmm. It's like, not a million dollar stuffed animals, but like a couple hundred, like a $500 mm -hmm. stuffed animal. For sure. So, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of perfect. Like, like he peels back <laughs> the layers of society and is like, oh, wow, this is all this stuff under here that I didn't know was there. Let me put this peel back. I don't want to remember <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah, like slight. like a lot of the second half of the movie is just him, you know, obviously revisiting places that he's been to, not to get too far ahead, but revisiting places mm -hmm. he's been to, like looking looking them in the face, you know, and being like, okay, I'll just move on. Whatever. Like that's <laughs> the entire second half of the movie. Yeah. Um just that a short note on what Basil said earlier. The guy that's like, yeah, he's kind of coded as Russian or whatever. He's like the last name is like very like generic Milich. Eastern Europe, Eastern European something mm -hmm. name. It's that's more like it's a Milich. ex, ex Yugoslav <laughs> name than sure. a Russian name. Um, but I think that's, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting way that um, uh, this how this movie treats like anyone who's not part of this weird circle that Cruz is part of. So for example, there are almost no black people in this movie, right? Mm -hmm. So there's one black person who's the doorman at that Sonata club. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, there's barely Eddie. Um, and I think that that's also like the other black person that's there is the guy working in the morgue that <laughs> shows him. So like, it's basically like, okay, yeah, black people do like, I, I wouldn't say menial jobs, but Door basically work. way lower class yeah. like jobs, lower playing, whatever. And they're usually like either standing, other standing, literally standing outside of a door <laughs> uh, or like outside of a place where white people go. Right. Or mm -hmm. um, they're standing in a place where dead people are. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like they're really not part of that world yeah. whatsoever. And it's New York, so there's a lot of black right. people in New York. Yeah, and the, so the basement, too. I can't believe that that's not intentional. I think it definitely is. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I feel bad that that didn't strike me at any point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just assume there's a, a couple of people of color at the party. Let's just do that. You know, They're not rich enough. I doubt it. No, no. <laughs> no they'd, they'd have to. Yeah. I don't know. They'd have to be like LeBron. Like yeah, yeah. LeBron was there. Well, and even then, I don't think they like because it's because that seems also like with the design of the house and everything, it's not just about having money, but like old money. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You're not you, you didn't get rich like you yeah. you were born rich, so and you're always gonna be rich. Patrick Ewing not not invited. <laughs> nope. <laughs> He'd have to hit a free throw before he was allowed in. <laughs> but uh. Oh, but yeah, well, um, yeah, 
were you gonna say something about Milic besides that, Ilya? Yeah, I think um, that <laughs> it's a point that uh, that he is co- like goes like generic Eastern European guy. Don't you know that Eastern Europeans do human trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. That's like That's a what movie he's in. Hostel? <laughs> no, close. Mission taken two, two. Taken, taken two. He's yeah. in Taken. He's yeah. in Taken, right? And he's in right, The Saint. Right. <laughs> and in both yeah. movies, he plays an evil Russian. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or evil. Plays Russian. Albanian in yeah. Taken, but. And obviously, he's not even <laughs> Russian. So yeah, um, yeah. that's that's uh, <laughs> well established. I was really point. surprised he wasn't in either John Wick or John Wick Chapter Two. <laughs> Is he not? Is he not in John Wick? No, no, I really thought he, he was. He's yeah. not the guy who's the dad of the guy from Game of Thrones. Okay. So, I, I, yeah, he's the, I, I know he's in Mission Impossible 2, I think, as like <laughs> the doctor who created the virus or some. He like, has 185 roles so far. Yeah, Raid Shermesh. Yeah, always, he's in fucking everything. Always playing the variation of the character. So, uh, yeah, he's just, extremely just, funny in this. Yeah, yeah I like just how he, this... he didn't accept 100, but as soon as, you know, Cruz was like 200, he was like, okay. It's like picking up on that village scene, though. So what happens there, right, is like weirdly, like basically there's like some some child sex going on there. So his daughter is clearly very young. And there's these two Asian. There's these two Asian businessmen there um, that seem to be having some sort of a thing with her. And it's sort of right from the beginning. It's clear that he's like Milich is playing playing up. This whole situation, like, oh my God, how, who are those people? Like, how can they be here? And like, the next time that you see them, he's like made arrangements with them or whatever. And it's like implied some shady deal has gone uh, through. So there's an Eastern European doing shady deals with shady Asian businessmen, mm. and that's like just two more like clear, like very cliched ideas about certain ethnicities uh, that all like kind of add up to this idea that. A lot of what this movie is happening is happening in Dr. Bill's weird brain that mm-hmm. is just filled with this type of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he just has these very, very basic, like, grasps on what he knows about the world informed by, like, uh, the dumb stuff you hear from, like, your basic liberal whatever newspaper mm-hmm. or something from skimming it <laughs> or watching the news every now and again. And so a lot of that, I think, the way he perceives the world around him, so black people in these types of jobs, Asian people and Eastern European people up to no good, I think there's a lot of that like that shows that this movie is really, you know, commenting on his own privilege and various like ways in which his privilege is expressed to be real while at the same time barely being believable at all. Right. I do wonder... Um, the, the idea that uh, the, the Milich, the father character, um, was already, you know, fully aware of his daughter and was actually already trafficking her. I don't know. When I watched this, I, I guess I just assumed like, they, they made an arrangement, like he said. But no, it makes a lot more sense now to, um, to assume that he did know. And I think part of it is the perspective of, uh, of Bill. Um, before he has this wild and crazy night, he was able to <laughs> ignore it and didn't see it for what it was. And then he goes back and it's immediately apparent that what he's looking at is, uh, you know, sex trafficking of this guy's daughter. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought I read a couple of reviews on Letterboxd where people were talking about how, uh, like, weird it is that, like, every woman, and it's actually not just every woman, but, like, literally almost every person that Bill meets wants <laughs> to have sex with him, including Alan Cumming. And I was like, yeah, yeah that that is weird, but, like, the movie knows that. Like, the, the, I feel like the, this is the movie isn't like just like uh, obliviously having that in the movie. Like, it's not like Jack that Reacher. is the point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. <laughs> Another Tom Cruise movie where women just eyeball Tom Cruise all the time, constantly. Yeah, I'd say yeah. this movie is even more aware of it than The Big Sleep when every woman wants to sleep with Humphrey Bogart in almost every right. scene. Well, yeah, Kubrick's almost like like parodying. Tom Cruise's like stature as a sex symbol at times. Like it feels yeah. like mm-hmm. he's so aware of of this like you know phenomenon because of course he was you know like late '90s. Tom Cruise was he he was Brad Pitt. I mean Brad Pitt was Brad Pitt, but Tom Cruise was also that. Um, and I think yeah, it is it is verging on like m- on mockery at this at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, the Alan Cumming scene, especially, uh, which I thought that was Alan Cumming, but I wasn't 100% yep. sure, and I didn't look it up. Yeah. Um, he's very funny. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Only two years very. later, he would be in the greatest movie of all time, Josie and the Pussycat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great, yeah, great, I was run. Say, a great run. So you're still... 1999 was like the year of uh, Tom Cruise making fun of his persona or whatever, because he was also in Magnolia, with, right. uh, where he plays. <laughs> right. Um, I just want to ask, grossest I, men. Ruben, are you? Is that a um, is that a running joke on this show? You're judging the Pussycats <laughs> thing because I've been making fun of you for that since like 2012. <laughs> um, if by joke you mean not I'm a... absolutely serious that that movie yeah. is really yeah. good, I think yes. we're all in in total agreement that that is a f- a, a good movie on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, maybe one day I can get in on this <laughs> joke with you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really funny the way that um, that he is portrayed here as the this is this you know like then that goes back to Tom Cruise's performance being this is the most Tom Cruise performance you know he's he's mm-hmm. Cruise times Cruise um, <laughs> he's the portrayal of him like outside of him just the way you know the scripting and and like everything uh, ties in together to make it seem like he is the ultimate sex god you know to <laughs> everyone that sees him um and he walks slowly down the sidewalk with his fucking trench coat um hands in his pockets yeah like it yes it feels very much like uh like kubrick is is laughing at him and i, I like that <laughs> i um, wonder what to make of the the scene where he gets assaulted on the street like <laughs> like yeah. i wonder if there's any meta element of that because of the whole rumor that tom cruise is just uh closeted right but uh i actually totally forgot that about is, that scene that scene is fantastic well, i th- <laughs> i think i think that uh the on the closeted element and whatever i think like this movie makes very pointed arguments towards like bills and maybe cruises like homophobia mm. um in that i think hilariously most hilariously in the way that he imagines Nicole Kidman having sex with that naval officer, the guy's always dressed. (laughs) (laughs) He's never naked up until the very end where you just see his back when they're having sex. And I think that that, that, like, I I was watching it. I was like, this is fucking, ah, it's so good. Like Nicole Kidman is like on the bed, like taking off her, 
her panties and she's completely naked and the guy is still wearing his naval uniform like full <laughs> uniform like, oh that's it's that's that's great and then like when the alan cummings scene happens like cruz is hilariously unaware of anything going on there <laughs> like he's just like mm-hmm. well thank you for your help and then like walk, walks out it's just like he's like again this thing that some i think that that the argument that a lot of this movie is taking place in his weird head is like really <laughs> obvious in those types of moments. So I think that uh, actually what Basil said with like, yeah, Cruz is always like the, that, the weird rumors about him being like closeted um, that were pervasive at the time. I think that's like a cool way to sort of comment <laughs> on that, like throw him yeah. like this weird uh, homophobic I think that there's, tone. There's like a what? Oh, I just don't like it when people talk about other people's sexuality. <laughs> oh, sure. No, I don't. Uh, I'm, a, I'm in 100% I don't, agreement. I don't care that Tom Cruise is a horrible person. I still don't think he should try to right. ferret out what his sexuality mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah, but you and can see business. Kubrick being the kind of guy who is just like, like, I will milk this. There. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like based on interviews that I remember reading at the time, Tom Cruise was like pretty on board for everything that um, Kubrick yeah. was trying to do with the yeah. movie too, like that. And uh, I mean, one of the other elements that I think like Ilya kind of just talked about is like the sort of strange meta element that's pretty cool of casting Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman because they have that conversation when they're on weed. And then there is like an element of like, you know, reality to that, where it's like, then when he's having that fantasy about her with another man, that really is his wife, like, pantomiming <laughs> having sex with another man. Like, it's like a strange sort of, uh, yeah, three frames per second. Duality. <laughs> For whatever else his faults might be, that Cruz is very game to sort of, like, I guess, discuss his persona in his films. Oh, yeah. like, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a very uh, smart movie star. Hey guys, I hate to have to do this, yeah. but I'm going to go use the restroom real quick. <laughs> Continue on without <laughs> okay. me. I drank two beers right before so, we started. I, I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries at all. Uh, but... Momentum killer. Now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, um, Nicole Kidman's very good in this movie. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> I really like her performance. It might be my favorite of her performances. Yeah, I like yeah. it a lot, too. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. the when her, her talking about her dream is super funny to me, like, <laughs> because it's like so just like I mean sort of getting back to like the dudes who shove him and stuff it's like so relentlessly emasculating with like (laughs) (laughs) and you were just watching and we were doing it right in front of you (laughs) yep and And it was definitely a nightmare by the way yeah yeah. (laughs) I I enjoyed it not at all (laughs) right it wasn't um, my secret fantasy. Yeah, I mean, uh, with those uh, drunken hooligans who uh, make fun of um, Bill, um, I think that there's 
you know, sort of what Ilya was talking about. It's there's like a an idea of uh, underclass or marginalized people like pushing at the mm-hmm. edges of this film and they can't get in. Like they're always like at the doorway. So like the fact that that woman may or may not have gotten AIDS is like mm, it's something that rich straight white people they don't deal with. AIDS is a lower class disease, that's for Mm. homosexuals and black people. (laughs) Right. And sex workers. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. sex workers. And it's like, yeah, there's like something about like, (laughs) he's trying to have sex with her roommate, and she's like, there's something (laughs) I have to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) She has has AIDS. Uh, Uh, She's HIV positive. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> this is a strong uh, whiff of reality trying to push yeah. at the edges of the, the cruel. <laughs> yeah, the way he yeah, wants the, to live I, his life. I agree with that. Like, I think it's also a very cruel joke that for him, when he hears that, <laughs> although he definitely like could like express his sympathy for for Domino, <laughs> it's so clear on his face that he's just like. <gasps> Oh, I didn't sleep with her for a reason. Yeah. Like <laughs> because <laughs> something was protecting me. And like that's like there's so many ways in which he like gets away with shit all the time in this movie where he asks about where Nick Nightingale is. Mm-hmm. He tells the the women working at a restaurant another conversation he has with like a lower class person, like right? Uh, where he basically tells her, "Well, I'm his doctor." And to be honest, it's oh, about yeah, his so medical funny. situation. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, right. He can fucking get away with doing this shit, right? He totally and can. And it's usually a woman who stand, like, who sacrifices either literally or symbolically, yeah, mm-hmm. right, so that he can continue to live his life the way that he wants. Right. <laughs> That's true. That is a really funny running joke that I forgot to mention until now of him showing his New York yes uh, doctor. Like, I'm a doctor. Here's my here's my license. <laughs> Like that just it's gives like him carte blanche. Procedural, like he's mm-hmm. like you know uh, what's his name with the glasses from uh, uh not CSI Law and Order Jerry Orbach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just up to these situations, it's like I'm a doctor, and they're like, come right in, sir. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's uh, something that reminded me. Something I was planning to mention is that in a way, like uh, I think Ilya bringing up the big sleep was a good call because in a way, this is like sort of a noir, like. Like, oh, yeah. he's a detective, but, like, he's a doctor detective. Yeah. So instead of showing his badge, <laughs> he's Dr. always Kevin. showing his... <laughs> yeah. He's got the license to heal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, I like that as an idea because then it means that if uh, Nicole Kidman is sort of the femme fatale, like, her transgression was just looking at another guy. <laughs> right, right. The only, and she's guilty of having awful dreams about him. <laughs> yeah. And telling him how she didn't was laughing at his face or whatever, and that makes him go back to that <laughs> sex worker's place. He's yeah. like, "Oh, how dare you in my in your dreams make fun of me? I'm totally gonna sleep with this person now." And then, oh my god, she has HIV. Oh, I really probably shouldn't. I suppose. <laughs> I have I have written down here. Nicole's uh. sissy cuck dream is the dopest shit. That's the only <laughs> note I have for that. <laughs> <laughs> agree um, I uh, 
not noir, but I was reminded probably because I watched a bunch of his films recently of Dario Argento, especially mm-hmm. during the orgy mm. scene, mm. <laughs> especially cool. by the masks, by yeah. the art, <laughs> and the lighting. Art I think is it's horror. Similar, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Speaking yeah, of the... filmmakers, he might have been influenced by as opposed to ones that he would go on to influence. Sure. It's true. <laughs> yeah, Haley started laughing so hard at the first reveal of the, like, uh, the orgy scene when they're just doing that, like, chanting and he's, like, walking oh, around with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, she's seen the movie before, so she knew what was coming, but, like, she, she was like, I'm imagining myself, like, if I were an adult now, like, watching this movie for the first time and how amazingly strange and funny it would yeah. be to see this. Because, you know, like, when you're a teenager, I think. Uh, especially kind of like just getting into movies like the weirdness of this scene like is more just like I don't know like when I was a teenager when I watched it it kind of rolled over me I was like oh yeah it's an orgy but like just how like out of control it is like (laughs) the idea that this like society just gets together and they like have this big circle before they have their sex I was like well this is yeah this is amazing I also There's a pretty think a good, lot of uh, those images have been absorbed into other media yeah, and sure. watered down, and so like, yeah, you're like, is oh, this is just how all orgies look, and it's like, well, no, <laughs> this is how all orgies look post Kubrick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a pretty good article by uh, this guy called Tim Kreider uh, about this movie, uh, which starts off by relaying the various criticisms of how authentic this orgy scene was, <laughs> which let's just disregard how gross it is that these fucking film critics like Stephen Holden or Manola Dargis are writing to you about how this this is not a real orgy. Let me tell you what a real <laughs> orgy looks like. Well, no fucking thanks, man. <laughs> really, don't, are not interested. Um, disregarding the fact how gross that is, it's also really stupid because it's not like this movie is supposed to like tell you like it's not like how have you not really understood like the idea of like how this movie plays with like fake versus reality and dreams Mm -hmm. and whatever and mysticisms and whatever and like that that this orgy would be exactly played out in this like soft core like whatever Mm -hmm. porn (laughs) way I think like that that was like exactly the only way this could have played out, especially if it's really like all kind of coming from Dr. Bill's like really like boring, like vanilla brain. <laughs> like, of course, it would look something like this. It's like what Basil was talking about when you're a kid. Like, yeah, this is kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Is, like as a kid, you might imagine an orgy being kind of like this. Like people do this in castles. <laughs> and, like they're yeah. really weird. <laughs> And I think that that's like, I think it's fucking perfect. Like, I, I love the scene from beginning to end. Uh, and especially like the weird coordinated movements of everyone, like walking through the various rooms and like leading him out. And you're being, you're in danger, uh, <laughs> says the naked woman to him before the other naked woman walks into the frame. And it's just like so fucking weird. Um, but I mean, I think that like, it's pretty telling how little, how few people I think really got this movie when it came out because I think people really were expecting like some kind of erotic thriller or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this movie is definitely not that whatsoever. Yeah, I told a friend at work that An I was going to... erotic thriller? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I told a friend I was going to be on a podcast talking about this movie. 
um, and he said that he he didn't like it that nothing happened in it. Uh-huh. You know, he's not a <laughs> film guy really, but um, sure. I think I think that's an interesting interesting take that probably was a around a lot when this Common movie came one. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else had Tom Cruise done recently? Like when this came out, I guess it was Magnolia out yet. Magnolia is a movie where a lot of stuff happens. No, Magnolia. I think they both came out around the same time because yeah. I think they were both like end of the year releases okay. with like Oscar hopeful. Sure. Uh, um, and they both did really well at the award seasons, as far as I remember. Um, yeah. But it was like Jerry Maguire had just come out before. That, like three, uh, that was a couple of years before. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I guess uh, I don't I don't know what Tom Cruise would have. I mean, he he wasn't in anything because he was he spent six fucking busy years making, making this movie. movie. Four hundred <laughs> days filming this. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think. Which I means th- he probably spent like two weeks on Magnolia. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> true. Um, yeah. Uh, Paul uh, Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> only does one take with every actor. It's. Uh, pretty well known. Um, no, I, I think you, like, you look at what culture was uh, in 99. I mean, like, South Park was big. You know, like, people, like, pro wrestling was really big. People loved Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Like, this, this it was, like, the one of the loudest. Oh, my God, nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People still love American South Park Beauty. and The Rock. Yeah. It's, it is weird, right? Um, I, I think just at that time though you know it was like one of the loudest like metaphorically speaking loudest time periods for pop culture and a movie like this you know yeah. people people talked about the fucking you know yeah. Yeah. by the way the last two movies before this one tom cruise mission impossible and jerry <laughs> Maguire, both released 96, in 96 yeah. wow so he did take which is also another pretty impressive thing to do with your movie star career like yeah. I'm the hottest I've ever been. Why don't I not do a movie for two years? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if maybe yeah. there was a failed project between there that never happened. Um, yeah. That is very strange. But, I mean, because, I mean, post-production on this took a really long time, too. So they shot for, like, 400 days. But then it still took Kubrick a long time to edit. I guess when you have that many takes, you have to watch them over and over again <laughs> to figure out which one's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I yeah. wonder how many uh, takes Sidney Pollack did while not wearing a shirt but wearing suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about um, how much nudity there is in this movie and how it's like one of the least erotic mm, movies without yeah, any yeah. Nudity, with so much nudity. I think that's maybe the least erotic scene in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> Passed out hooker, Sydney Pollock, hairy chest with suspenders, fucking burned in my brain. I, I love the painting in that yes. too. Of, yes, like it matches her body yes. completely. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. And that there's a um, fireplace in the bathroom. Weakness? Yes, the fireplace in the bathroom. Uh, that is that. See, that immediately shows the uh, the stature of of the Ziegler character. <laughs> when you get cold while you're taking a bath. Yeah, uh, yeah building off Bucky's point about the loudness of the culture, I think even the Oscars, which are, tend to be pretty out of tune with what the cultural moment is, the fact that they chose American Beauty as the best picture mm. winner for that year shows that they got it. <laughs> make mm-hmm. it as loud and aggressively you know on theme as possible yeah. like we're just gonna have the characters shout the themes at the other characters yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that was a pretty uh that was a pretty <coughs> strange collection of best picture nominees it was like uh topsy-turvy and <laughs> magnolia i think right um i don't think so no, no. No, like, but it got, that one got a screenplay nomination. Right? What? Green Mile, wasn't that? Oh, I bet you're yeah. right. Oh, no, but that I think that's the next Is year. It? I can't remember. 
So no. 99 or 2000? Uh, well, it would be the, be the 2000 Oscars, but for the year 99. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm Googling I'll bet you a it. Dollar. Yeah, I'm, we're all doing it at the same time. We're all Googling this is, this it, except for me. Nice. I can, Googling portion. I'm the only sucker. Right, I got it. I got it. Saw that everyone else was um, Yeah, this is a bad collection of... <laughs> I like one of these movies. American Beauty, The Cider House Rules, The Green Mile, <laughs> The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. Yeah, I really like The Insider. Oh, so it wasn't Top... Yeah, Topsy Turvy must have been the year after. Or the year yeah. yeah, year before, I think. Sixth Sense yeah. definitely fits that. The Insider <laughs> superficially fits it, yeah. but it's actually not as um, right. loud as people think it is. It looks loud. So it's a weird movie. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Mann's a weird guy. There's a, yeah, cool. the bullet in the mailbox. He's a weird guy. It's a loud scene. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and yeah this would not have fit but then there was like that would have been really mm -hmm. odd <laughs> but they did get like being john malkovich for best original screenplay magnolia yeah. for best original screenplay all mm. about my mother won best foreign language film that's a loud yeah. film yeah <laughs> i've never seen that one i've seen a lot of omuldivar but i've never seen that one not one of his best, whatever that means. <laughs> best, best sound for The Matrix. Uh, now we're talking. Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen The Matrix? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little indie film, you know. Topsy Turvy know. got best makeup, though, so oh. and best costume design. So you're right. Oh, on those so two. it was that year. Oh, okay. But not nominated for best picture. Yeah. I guess. Um, uh, it was made by these two trans women, uh, The Matrix. Yeah. So, like, it didn't get that much. Like yeah, they get at much the time, attention. Yeah. yeah, people were like really yeah less woke in '99. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> eyes wide shut though. Not about it. Oh yeah. Did did Kubrick get a best director nomination no. for this? There's not, not even shit here for Kubrick or this. Like I don't see anything for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird. They. They dropped the ball. What a surprise. They should have made some sexier orgies. Yeah, one for least on board. realistic orgy. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. All the women look the same, by the way. All the women yeah. who could potentially be women that Tom Cruise is fantasizing about, like from his patient yeah. to the dead woman at the end. They all have the exact same body type. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And skin tone. I noticed that as well. It's very uh, sad. Yeah, like there's uh, even a woman that he's I have like, one fantasy, and it's basically Nicole Kidman's body with slightly bigger breasts. Yeah, yeah. So yep. there's a woman that he's like got a stethoscope to, like in a montage, like yeah. And she's yeah. also same hair color, same body type, and her. I don't know why why her why her breasts are out in that scene. <laughs> it's but really they, weird. And sad. I, that's what I have written here. I said I, uh, why her titties <laughs> out. That's all it says. <laughs> but. uh yeah, I think that that's very funny, too, especially the way that um, Todd Field, Nick Nightingale, like when he's hyping it up, he's like, oh, the women, you won't believe it. They're like women you've never seen yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I also think, it, yeah, there was a there's a moment like when he discovers that she that uh, she died or whatever. She's like a former Miss New York. Mm -hmm. So it's like within this strange structure, like. The elites are like the richest of the rich, obviously, but then like the women that they're sleeping with are like, you know, the the top tier of the, <laughs> you know, people valued for their, <laughs> for entirely for their looks. Like, 
the cream of the crop, as it were. Mm. But then, you know, uh, Sidney Pollock, when he talks about her, is very dismissive. Uh, she's just some some hooker. At least he was wearing a shirt that time. Fuck. <laughs> I remember Playing when cool. we when I was watching that scene and he tries to remember her name. <laughs> He's like, uh, Mandy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's a similar thing to like him and the, uh, his babysitter, another one of the yeah. few women right. of color in the movie. Right. Huh? One of the only people that um, doesn't try to fuck him. So, <laughs> yeah, no chance that yet. That um, scene. <laughs> 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 um, side note, um, since we were talking about the, the, the Oscars for a second, so the second, 72nd uh, Academy Awards that was, the that was in 2000, Mm-hmm. Um, had a viewership of uh, pretty amazingly uh, 46 and a half million people. Yeah. Um, whereas the last Academy Awards, 32.9. So they've mm-hmm. really been fucking fucking up for the last well, like, bring Billy Crystal 18 back. years. Yeah. Uh, but it also like is it? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting like comment on American Beauty. Yeah. Yeah, I think also it kind of tells you a little bit about like the people around the millennium were like really buying all this shit way more. Mm. <laughs> like they were really buying Hollywood and what it is and what it stands for and like all it's selling. Like they were buying it much more than I guess they are now. That's, I think, uh, I mean, I couldn't verify this for sure, but I think the numbers from last year are actually also up from uh, where they were. Like I think there was like a pretty serious dip around like 2010 or something like that where people were like not paying attention at all which is part of the whole um you know trying to uh invite new people to the academy younger people people of color more women well actually the 88th had a rating of 34 million so it actually dropped last year Mm. jimmy kimmel the one before that yeah the one before that had um 34 so so yeah uh huh yeah that's the one when Spotlight won yeah isn't everyone still excited about that one yeah Spotlight uh, is the Cider House Rules of 2015 (laughs) (laughs) yes it's very apt Cider House does rule (laughs) when was the last time Ellen hosted that movie what's that when was the last time that Ellen hosted Ellen the time with the selfie no yeah yeah. How, what was the rating that time? That's what I want to know. Oh, I'm sure that was that was um, still the good yeah, times. All, all television ratings are down, even football. Yeah, well, football we know why that is. To get hit. Yeah. Racism. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Although, but also anti-racism. Yes. Because there are some people boycotting it for the opposite reason. Wow. Yeah. Football's really <laughs> football's really stuck. Between a rock and a hard place when it comes to when it comes to racism. Uh, but man. Oh, the one last thing I was gonna say about the movie is yeah. uh um Haley actually brought this up. We were talking about sort of like um uh psychology and well like more like psychoanalysis or whatever that this movie also has a kind of idea with like um like shadow self or whatever that uh nicole kidman like reveals kind of uh 
oh, there's this thing about me that maybe you don't know, and but this is a part of who I am. And like the whole time that they're having that conversation, Tom Cruise is like, I don't have those feelings. Like I don't want to have sex with those women because we're married and you're my yeah. wife and I love you and I would never do anything to hurt you. Like, and she's like, that's not how the real world works. Like, <laughs> I have these feelings and you probably do too. And he's like, nah. -uh. And then has this whole movie about <laughs> having those feelings. <laughs> But I thought that that was interesting. It was like a kind of um, like repression of sexual desire and like refusing to acknowledge that you have it and uh, kind of um, what's the word like uh, I guess just like uh, spiraling consequences that mm. happen <laughs> because of his <laughs> refusal to acknowledge these things. Daddy had a um. party. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was really? free pizza. Fun, uh, fun trivia is that Kubrick once told uh, Michael Hare that he wanted to make a film about doctors because, quote, everyone hates doctors. <laughs> 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 I think that's really funny. Yeah. Um, I had read um, that Kubrick wanted to make this movie originally with Woody Allen as the protagonist. Uh, I, th I heard yeah. Steve Martin as so well. That's yeah, uh, both, both yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so Steve, I mean, Steve Martin and I... Wow, Woody Allen is... Wow, that would have been... <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, right? Uh, and that would have been... Scene with Lily Sobieski would have played very differently. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Lily Sobieski would have been his wife. Yes. <laughs> that was the joke I was going to do, Ruben. Fuck. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice. Beat you to the punchline. It's <laughs> oh, a fast but, on the uptake podcast. yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think that the movie does a lot better by, like, I think that for me at least, Kubrick works a lot better when he's not leaning overtly into comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, I find Peter Sellers really annoying in Lolita, and, um, and that there are other parts of the movie that are much funnier, and that, again, in a similar vein, I think, like, Tom Cruise, not exactly playing it straight, obviously, but, like, underplaying in a way that like Woody Allen or Steve Martin never could like yeah. really oh, does yeah. the movie. Yeah, completely different. Mm -hmm. they, I, I think yeah. also Woody Allen. So I, I am of the opinion that Tom Cruise does not know what he is doing in this movie. He doesn't know, like, he doesn't have any idea what Kubrick wants. Kubrick is directing him beautifully, but Tom Cruise thinks he's in a totally different movie, you know? And that's what makes his character work so well, his, like, hubris and his confidence that are just, like, completely insane and over the top. Um, right. The way he's just able to, yeah, walk through situations that should fuck him, and he's totally fine. Nothing ever, nothing bad actually ever happens to him. Well, shit happens to everyone around him. Woody Allen. That's what I said about Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Jack Nicholson's similar, you know, in that he, I, I think, I, I think that would have been an interesting uh, thing to to dissect. Also, is is Jack Nicholson aware of how he's being directed here does he know <laughs> what the actual product he's producing is um i think woody allen and steve martin both would have not been as directable i don't i i, I know that if they had been the guy uh, to play dr bill um they would have this would have been a very different the script would have been very different you know the the tone would have been very mm -hmm. different obviously and mm -hmm. i've got the the quote oh uh, no dr bill <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Um, um, he considered making it a sex comedy with a wild and somber streak running through it, starring Steve Martin as the main role. Um, I think it would have been a lot more straightforward. I think this movie doesn't... It sounds yeah. terrible, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it does. It sounds very <laughs> bad. It also doesn't sound like a Kubrick film in any way. Like, I can't even picture that. Well, The Jerk was one of his favorite movies, right? Oh. Uh, that's... 79 movie with uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. Um, but, so that's probably why he wanted to cast him. Like, famously. But it also wouldn't work. I mean, as gross as Woody Allen is, even that would work better than Steve yeah. Martin because, like, Steve Martin is, like, such an asexual person to me. Like, <laughs> there's nothing about him that, like, like, I'm like, if Steve Martin was like, if you told me, ah, Steve Martin, he's never had sex before, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I buy it. Oh. Yeah. It's because <laughs> you never saw him dance the merengue in uh, My Blue Heaven. Yeah. Have you seen Shop Girl? I have not seen Shop <laughs> nope. Girl. He's very sexual in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. gross. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have written down here, I don't know if this is actually a complete film. Um, I, 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 you know, I know that he was pretty much done with it. He sh- he sent them, he sent Tom and Nicole like a, uh, a copy to view and then he died like a week later or whatever. Um, I do, I mean, obviously notorious long production, notoriously long post-production and that goes with every one of his movies. Um, I, I don't, maybe not everyone, but a lot of them, um, are known yeah. for his, continuous tampering all of them since the 60s yeah yeah he couldn't help himself i wonder if this movie would have ever even come out if he hadn't died um or if maybe it would have been you know 2000 um it's been even longer yeah yeah and maybe what this movie is if he has more time yeah i don't know i mean i think that the pacing actually works very well for me I was surprised because I was pretty mm-hmm. tired when I started watching mm-hmm. it, and I was like, "Ah, shit! This movie's like over two and a half hours. I hope I don't like fall asleep or just like get kind of tired during it." And then two and a half hours later, I was like, "Oh, still wide awake, <laughs> still, still really into this." <laughs> yep. Like, but huh? I mean, the scenes are long, but like, in a way that makes the movie, to me at least, like feel shorter than it is. Like, huh? I, yeah. I think that there are ways that you can make a movie that is long and then it just feels long. But then uh, I always point to this. There are also ways to make a movie that is short but actually feels longer than it is. Like Rushmore is only an hour and a half, but like every scene is like 30 seconds long. So it actually feels like kind of a long movie because, you know, a ton of stuff happens in it. But mm. this movie, at least for me, like the pacing, hit pretty exactly where I was like, uh, okay, this movie kind of feels like a two-and-a-half-hour movie, but yeah. not at all in an unpleasant way. There's those moments where Cruz is walking around as being, like, followed by this guy. Mm-hmm. They take, like, a bit of time. Like, there's, like, a lot of, like, walking, stopping, looking back, <laughs> like, ominous music, this piano that starts, like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, and then he, like, walks into a cafe and sits down, and it, like, takes a while for him to, like, the open the newspaper and that's when he sees that like uh mandy has uh uh was was found dead mm-hmm. um but um it's like those moments you could like say okay maybe those could have been shorter but i agree actually like apart from like very minor like issues with that i thought like it was like pretty good rhythm throughout like yeah. um and i, I mean maybe 
I think the movie's relation temporally is similar to its relation reality, which is that it feels right. like it could both be mm. much longer and much shorter than it is, and either right. would be fine and neither would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Also, the movie is no, so, like, uh, continuously, like, beautiful to me that I was just like, man, yeah. I'll, I'll just stare at this movie for forever. It yep. looks great. Uh, I also laughed really hard at the... Um, the newspaper or whatever where it says lucky to be yeah. alive that's like the big headline <laughs> there's another cool gag when he's on the phone with nicole kidman in the um at domino's apartment and the, there's a book that's at the front at the front of the frame which says introducing sociology <laughs> while he's like lying to his wife pretending that he's just like coming back from like a, a an appointment with one of his patients <laughs> right. it's pretty cool Mrs. Dr. Bill. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, but I cut you off, Ruben. What were you going to say? I think I said what I was going to say. Oh, maybe. Oh, no, I cut off Bucky. I cut off everyone. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Oh. I think I was just going to talk about how everybody's so horny, but I don't know. That's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what we've been talking about for most of the movie. Or for most of the it's podcast. not at all my experience with real life. Yeah. No one is yeah. ever horny. <laughs> Yeah, what an it's unrealistic cer- movie. And certainly, I've never <laughs> met anyone who wants to have sex with Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, this is way off topic, but uh, <laughs> there's a. I was listening to an episode of Hollywood Handbook, and they brought up The Mummy, and they were joking about how, uh, like, Russell Crowe keeps saying that he's not a young man like Tom Cruise, even though he's only, like, a <laughs> few years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> Really trying to <laughs> underplay just how old Tom Cruise is, yeah. and still trying to pretend he's a regular young famous actor. Yeah, but it is surprising how much he and Nicole Kidman look the same twenty years later. Like there are little differences, yeah. but like that very first shot of Nicole Kidman, I was like, oh, her body looks the same as in the Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's very weird. It is weird. Is she a mummy? <laughs> is she a vampire? Um, I did have one more thing I wanted to say. Um, the um, the scene where he goes to the house and he's at the gate, and this is similar to I think Ellie was talking about how slow that scene on the mm-hmm. street is, where he sees he buys the newspaper, he's being followed by the guy. Um, <laughs> he like standing at this gate for like an eternity. Um, <laughs> and it's got a very similar structure in that it ends with him reading the note in the envelope. Notes. Oh, yeah. Which says, give up your inquiries, which are completely useless, and consider these words a second warning. We hope for your own good that this will be sufficient. <coughs> and I took a screenshot of this on my phone. Um, <laughs> I'm holding it up so you guys can see it. It's got the... Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is going to yeah. be one of my standard go-to like meme images from now on. Because <laughs> I feel like there's so many good jokes that this can, this can apply to. So if I've gotten nothing else out of this movie, um, which I have, but if I didn't, I would have at least this. <laughs> it's pretty great. Kubrick also predicted memes. Yeah. That's what 2001 is about. See? Yeah, there you go. Mm. <laughs> okay. All right. We ready yeah. to wrap this right. up? Yep. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. And of course, thanks for joining us, Bucky. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. The torrent website that I pirated the copy of. No, um, 
<laughs> I do I play video games on Twitch. It's weird. Um, What's your name? Very underscore tall underscore man. <laughs> um, and that's also that's my Twitter. Um, and you can find me there where I post twice a week. Um, <laughs> and I play video games and I sometimes appear on a podcast. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'd like to. What's the name of the wrestling podcast? Um, in case there's some overlap between Eyes Wide Shut fans and pro wrestling. Yeah, fans. the pro wrestling <laughs> podcast is called We Don't Know Wrestling. Um, nice. I don't know. I'm hoping to appear on it again soon. I'm trying to get in better with those people. Um, yeah, I. Uh, should well, make it real. Send them this. Yeah, Are there any we, masks? Once in we pro ship wrestling? over our like one listener yeah. to their podcast, yeah. they'll want to have you back on. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the, that's the idea. They, um, I think they're doing only slightly better than that, but you know. <laughs> um, no, and I. Are there any masks in pro wrestling, by the way? Oh Bucky? yes, yes. Um, well, there you go. There's your overlap. Yeah, then. so like <laughs> the the guy shows Mask up um, in uh, in the Venetian mask. And they know immediately <laughs> that he's not one of them, you know? Exactly. Um, <laughs> he's not wearing a luchador yeah, mask. Yeah, what if a lucha, what he's if Tom Cruise should have a lucha mask? <laughs> now we're talking. Um, no, that's it. And uh, I'm, uh, cool. I don't know, I'd like to plug my, my kid. <laughs> she's two. She's really cool. Um, nice. She's going li- gonna to listen to this. Uh, we wa- she watched the movie with me, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> she thought it was, uh, you know, uh, oh. she thought it was a little slow. She she thought that it's not a Christmas as good as movie. Boss Baby. Yeah, yeah, not as good as Boss Baby. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. I, thanks for having me on, guys. I've been planning on yeah, sure. trying to get in on one of these for like a, a year now, and uh, finally a movie with enough uh, nudity in it that I, I can join <laughs> in. Excellent. All right, if uh, you want to thank us, listeners for all the great work that we do. We now have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash loosecannons and you can give us money or you can pay us to do stuff because we have rewards and perks just like every other Patreon in the world. So go check out that website. And um, of course you can check out our website for all of our content, loosecannons.net, including a new video that I just put up. And uh, if you want to get prepped for next week's podcast, it should be A Wrinkle in Time the new Ava DuVernay film so watch that listen to the podcast (laughs) my fiance just read that book so (laughs) cool I've never never read it as the guest host yeah yeah. I read it a long time ago I'll let her know (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening everybody we will hear you listen to us next time is that how these work (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> sort of <laughs> bye bye, bye. <laughs>